You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Ollie Southgate, and from the Broadway Podcast Network, this is Putting It Together, a brand new podcast where on the first Friday of each month, I sit down with one of Broadway's best business minds to talk about the state of the art and their role in keeping the world's biggest theatre town at the top of the list. On this month's episode... The lead producers would come in and they would storm in and they'd say, how do we get to young people? We need more young people in the theatre. And of course, what was the answer? discount tickets heavily and send them to the booth. Today, Tick CEO and co-founder Brian Fenty shares the early producing experiences that revealed an opportunity in the ticketing market to appeal to a new kind of audience. Our competitors are Netflix and a pitcher of margaritas. Theater is as easy to digest and as easy to consume, and by the way, as easy to love and hate. We discuss the unique challenges of being a tech startup in an industry that holds tradition in high esteem, and what he's planning to do with a landmark $73 million of new investment. So let's find out how Brian Fenty puts it all together. It's an odd life that I've lived. It's not a bad life, it's a great life, but it's an odd life that I've lived on the way here, which is I was terrible at sports, I wasn't overly interested in computer games, which left me absolutely one thing to do in my life, which was to be an actor. And so at three years old, I was cast as Santa Claus in Twas the Night Before Christmas at the YMCA in Torrington, Connecticut. That sparked um, what became a short-lived but modestly successful professional acting career from age five to 12. And it was the delight of my life. I mean, it was really a blast. Um, I made tremendous friends. I learned a lot about myself and confidence and was actually able to take the money that I made acting uh, to pay my way through boarding school. So went to boarding school at Hotchkiss in Connecticut, um, which is a great boarding school, but not a place that my parents would have ever allowed me to go had I not been able to pay for it myself. I sort of not turned my back on theater, but I, I really used theater to build that base of my career. But when I went to high school and then later to college at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, um, I was only a tangential spectator of theater. Right. Um, I was a lover of theater, but I was not a participant in it. And so that was really my my early love affair with theater. Um, and then got a job for the New York Yankees, uh, effectively being George Costanza, working for, for George Steinbrenner, who owned the team at the time, and, and got a lucky break, which was uh, I was interning 
uh, initially for the head of marketing for the New York Yankees. And I brought them a concept, which was, hey, guys, at least two thirds of the players on your bench only speak Spanish. They do not speak English. And yet you have never done a Hispanic uh, language ad. Let's go after different audiences. And so did a lot of homework, did a lot of research. And ultimately what we found was we could put a discount ticket on the side of a milk carton and in those subway daily publications. And it would do a really effective job of getting different, more diverse audiences. And in the first year, I think we sold three and a half or four million dollars worth of tickets from this small little ad campaign that the interns suggested. And it's still a campaign that they do to this day. So that was really my first foray into ticketing. Wow. Um, which is odd. I mean, I yeah. was, I was, that was a, a high school and later college internship that became a four year career. And, um, it was a wild ride. And, and then from there went into venture capital. And that's really where I started working with young entrepreneurs who were starting to build brands. And, you know, as I, as I lovingly, but, but seriously say nowadays, you know, venture capitalists, it's a very buzzy phrase. It's a very fun thing to think about. But really, we're people who think we know how to run companies, but don't know how to run companies. Right. Um, and so worked with a lot of brilliant entrepreneurs, the founders of Sweet Green, Outdoor Voices, Sir Kensington's. I was early investors and uh, an early investor in all of those companies. Um, but was really jealous watching them run businesses and and deal with the true challenges of of growing it. And so that's ultimately what pushed me to take the plunge here. And then how did that happen? So you founded Today Six with Merit Bayer six years ago. What was the conversation you were having when you decided this was a, a thing you thought should exist? So in 2009, while I was a quote, venture capitalist. Um, I produced a play that was short-lived and didn't make any money called Oleana with Bill Pullman and, and Julia Stiles. Sure. The reason I produced it was because I was, uh, it, well, somebody found me, a, a producer, and said, hey, would you like to participate in this play? I had never read the play before. So I read the script. I said, huh, this is interesting. It feels timely and, and of the moment. And I met a couple who were in their late 40s who saw the show in the in the late 80s when it was in New York. And they described the show something like this. We were a newlywed couple. We saw Oleana. I forget who was in it at the time. We left the theater and we walked all the way in mid-January from Times Square to the Lower East Side fighting with each other. We almost <laughs> got divorced. We made up and almost got divorced again talking about the show. And they said that it was one of the most powerful experiences they had ever had. Wow. And so that was enough for me to put my my money where my mouth was. And and I always view that first experience producing a Broadway show as my grad school. Right. That was business school for me. And so while we were there, though, uh, producing the show, and, and I would sit in these ad meetings, there were zero ways to speak to millennial or young audiences. And the the lead producers would come in and they would storm in and they'd say, how do we get to young people? We need more young people in the theater. And of course, what was the answer? Discount tickets heavily and send them to the booth. Right. And it just made no sense because that's great for the people who can go wait in line at a booth. And that's great for people who are going to scour the message boards and, and scour Google to find discount tickets. But that's not actually what was broken. Mm. What was broken is that there were no ways to reach millennials in the way that they were digesting content, which was mobile. And so... That really, Ali, was was how the business started. Merritt and I came together as sort of 
longtime friends and longtime sort of dreamers of what innovation could be in the space. And we sort of looked at each other and said, okay, we have to broadcast at the frequency that new audiences are receiving at. And no matter how many TV commercials you put out in the world and no matter how many New York Times double trucks you put out there, all of which are amazingly effective to certain audiences, no matter how much you do that and how many millions of dollars you throw at the problem, young people are on their phones, they live on their phones, they trust on their phones. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really was the genesis of Today Ticks. So you set up shop and then who's the first person that you call to say, hey, can I have some tickets? <laughs> um, so for, for those listening who don't know the quirky dynamics of the Broadway landscape, um, there are three major theater owners. And two of those three major theater owners were close personal friends of mine um, from my days producing, from my world in New York. Um, they were people who were at my wedding. So just mm -hmm. to give you context, these are people that I love and that, and that I have a great to this day relationship with. We walk walked into the first theater owner and we knocked on the door. And of course we got the meeting because of our relationships, but we said, okay, um, here we are. We're going to build this incredible app. It's for millennials. It doesn't have to be discount, but it has to be honest pricing. It has to be full inventory and we have to have every show. And if you do this for us, we will bring the next generation of theater goers to theater. Um, oh my God, how exciting. And the first theater owner sat there and he looked at us and he said, well, you have a problem. They're my tickets, not yours, and we don't need the help. Broadway's booming. That's just how it is. And quite frankly, the meeting ended right there. Oh. <laughs> okay, so that was okay. meeting number one. Meeting number two was the next theater owner. And we came to the table and we said, okay, great, we have this app and uh, it's going to be amazing. And they looked at us and they said, well, here's the problem millennials don't like theater. They're not going to like theater. You can't let them like theater. Um, they will like theater when they grow up to become their parents. And I said, but that's not how millennials work. Mm -hmm. Millennials aren't echoing their parents buying behaviors. And every other industry has proven this. Nope, door slammed in our face. Oh, shit. Okay, great. We have one more theater owner to go to. We go to them and they say, okay, we love everything about it except one problem. We don't believe that mobile's important. Why? Because mobile's a great research tool, but it's not a great buying tool. And look, in fairness, in 2013, when we started this thing, and actually these conversations were probably in late 2012, there weren't a lot of brands selling big multi-hundred dollar items on a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. You could buy a ringtone, you could buy a sticker, you could buy these digital badges, but the thought of spending $186 in a transaction for two tickets, yeah, that was unheard of. So, all right, what do you do as an entrepreneur when every theater owner basically says no? Although one caveat I will say, they didn't say don't do it. They just said they weren't going to help. Right. And I think that that was an unspoken way of saying, go do what you say you're going to do and see if you can do it. We don't think you can, but we're cheering for you in a, in a silent way. Right. So did you get the sense they did think it, they thought it was a good idea? They just 
didn't see enough potential in it to be a part of it. Yeah, I remember one of the theater owners as we were leaving said, everyone's tried to build a better mousetrap. And I hate that phrase because I hate thinking of our customers as that. But but he said very presciently, everyone's tried to build a better mousetrap in ticketing, but they haven't been successful. They haven't been able to change the paradigm. Right. Um, and so, the, so I'll tell you, though, you, to, to answer your question, though, the first person that we went and met with that we had success with was the public theater. Right. Tom McCann at the public theater was the head of marketing. He went and talked to Patrick and Oscar Eustace and, and they basically said, yeah, we, we stand for this actually. We stand for democratizing theater. We stand, you know, as Oscar has always said, if every ticket could be free, it would be because that's not the purpose of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today Tix was able to create a pretty innovative partnership early on, which was called Free First Previews. And we, we effectively gave every ticket away to the first preview of every production for the first uh, season that we worked together in 2014 for free. We then created a mobile lottery at their request. And one of the first shows that, that came to be was a little show called Hamilton. Just such bad timing, isn't it? It was just the worst. <laughs> um, we, you know, as I always say to Tom, I wish we picked a year when you had a show that people cared about. Yeah. But yeah. instead we got Hamilton. <laughs> That's crazy. And yet now, so in spite of those challenges though that you talk about, your estimate is that you now sell 8% of Broadway tickets and 4% in the West End. Obviously, that's one major milestone is getting that partnership with the public. Other than that, has it been kind of gradual over the last six years? Or do you have kind of key moments where you kind of leapt from one stratosphere to another? Definitely step moments. So I... As I look back over the six years, it feels both incredibly short and incredibly fast. Right. Um, and, and you've worked at Today Tick, so you um, understand sort of the ebbs and flows and challenges of, of running a business like this in an industry that both wants innovation and fights it so hard. Right. Um, and so when I look back um, on our life cycle, I can say a few things. One is the first three years were a rocket ship. And it's easy to be a rocket ship when you've sold zero tickets because zero to one is an infinite growth rate. Yeah. And one to 10 is a 10x growth rate. Mm-hmm. And, and the numbers are so small that the wins are celebrated every day. Right. And Merritt and I literally would have a margarita at the end of every day and every week, uh, which <laughs> says something about us, but, but celebrating our wins. Then in uh, 2016-17, the business really struggled to find its footing. We had grown really fast. We had gotten to good share, but we still hadn't won the support and the belief of producers and content creators and agencies. And they cautiously looked at us and they said, oh, yeah, that today ticks. They're doing something interesting, but... Uh, let's stay away. Let's look the other way. And so it was really in 2017 when when I took over as full-time CEO that I led a uh, getting back to basics campaign, mm-hmm. uh, which I called Today Ticks 2020. And, and I stood in front of the company. And I said, if we're going to get to 2020 and we're going to be a meaningful player in this space, we have to really lock in on what we stand for and who we want to be. And that is bringing new audiences, not millennials. So we changed our mindset from being all millennial focused to being new audiences. How do we get new people into the theater who never would have thought about theater before? Number one. Number two, 
I've said it many times, it's not an interesting quote anymore, but our competitors are Netflix and a pitcher of margaritas. And I truly do believe that. I believe that we're competing for people's time outside of the workplace. And that time can be filled with so many things that are so easy. And so we really need to slot in there and tell people that theater is as easy to digest and as easy to consume. And by the way, as easy to love and hate as anything else that you might do. We all have restaurants that we like and don't like. We all have uh, movies that we like and don't like. But theater, for some reason, polarizes people in a in a more profound way. And we wanted to take a little bit of the air out of that. Um, and so it was really when we got the team super focused around that, but also we started hiring subject matter experts. We started hiring people who weren't, when you're a young startup, you hire people, one who will work for you. You have no brand, you have no reputation, you can't pay anything. Mm-hmm. It's a real nightmare. And, and I look back and I think of our first 10 or 15 employees and I say, holy Holy cow, why did they say yes? Um, <laughs> right. But they believed in the, in the mission and the vision. And so the mission and the vision pays for a lot back then. And now you, you have to sort of say, okay, we have to hire superstars. And once we started hiring superstars, the business took off in a profound way. And this year we grew 120% over last year, which was actually our highest growth rate in four years. Wow. So the, the business has found its footing in a way that I'm, you know, humbled by and energized by every day. And now it really feels completely normal that if you want to go see a show, but you haven't decided exactly what it is, or maybe you don't know exactly when you want to go, the only place you really look is Todaytix. Certainly someone in my demographic anyway. But when you first launched, uh, your initial message was about today and the next seven days. And since then, you've expanded out to be pretty much an open-ended sales platform. Now, obviously, given you you put the word today right there in the name, that was a pretty big shift. Did you find that the was the market for those truly last-minute sales just not enough to grow with? Thank goodness we didn't call it Broadway ticks. Sure. <laughs> um, because, you know, that would have really pigeonholed us. Yeah. I mean, we do stand for theater and we love theater and theaters at our core, um, which we do think separates it. But um, today ticks at least give us a little bit of flexibility. But it's um, if I could go back in time and, and rename it, I probably would have made up a word like so many other startups that means absolutely nothing. We right. could have called the business Nancy um, <laughs> and everybody would be getting their theater tickets on Nancy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but what I would say is when we first started the business, we thought millennials wanted last minute. And what we learned through the years, and it was right around 2016, 17, this transition year, where I had an epiphany in the shower one morning that it's not that millennials wanted last minute. It's that they wanted on demand. They want what they want, when they want, how they want. Right. And today ticks already solved the how they want. We were, we were the best mobile application. I say that with some humility, but I really do believe it. I think we're 30 seconds or less. Very few ticketing companies can compete with the sort of ease of use, the transaction flow, the design forward focus. So that we sort of had in the bag, but the when they want. We didn't nail because it turns out people don't just want to plan their theater outings at lunch that day. It's a big endeavor. It's a big sort of. Whether you're spending $30 on a ticket or $300 on a ticket, it's a big nut to swallow Mm -hmm. Um, or a big nut to crack, I guess, is the phrase. Um, And so um, or by the way, swallowing nuts, it's it's also a thing. So um, I, I think, though, that for me, that that epiphany of being spontaneous 
and being a platform for everyone um, was a, a game changer for us. And as well as that being quite a big change, you've now gone well, as you said, well beyond Broadway at this point. Todaytix now sells tickets 16 cities worldwide, 13 in North America, plus London, Melbourne, and Sydney. That's a huge amount of growth to oversee, as we've been talking about. Presumably, it's impossible now for you to be as in the weeds as you were in those early days. What's that been like for you? Are you someone who's happy to delegate or do you like to be involved in the detail as much as possible? I'm a, I'm a pretty in the weeds leader, but I try not to be a micromanager. So what that means is I promise my employees and the team that I will know everything that they feed to me in terms of information, I will digest I will absorb, I will have an opinion on, but I always say that strong opinions loosely held is the best policy. Right. Um, and so that's sort of how I like to lead. But over the last two years, as we've especially launching in Australia, I can only be in so many places at once. Um, so again, hiring great people is mission critical, but it's also learning tricks of the trade, how to navigate a to-do list, how to understand um, the ways that we all work best. Um, so for me, it's silly things like asking my management team to give me the three most important things they've worked on this week and the three biggest things that are stuck or impediments to growth. That way, it's only six things for each leader. I can read it in 20 minutes and it allows me to focus my week. So whether I'm on a plane to Sydney, I'm in LA at an opening of a show at the Hollywood Bowl, or I'm in New York, um, I can really navigate and be a good partner to our team. Speaking of, we're here in your uh, Soho offices, your new Soho offices, you just upgraded. Um, we've got a pretty sizable team now. Do you know what the, the headcount is here now? We've got a hundred here. Um, we've got 15 in London. We've got five in Australia and 150 of the most beautiful, passionate, crazy, um, excited concierge agents and ticketing fulfillment and delivery people. My question is, what's the thing you, you look for now in people? What makes a today tixer? God, I, I wish I thought about this more six years ago. Right. Um, because I can hire the smartest person and it's not a fit for them. And we can hire the most passionate person and it's not always the fit. But what I can tell you is if you like to maximize your night. So if you, it doesn't have to be theater, but if you live in a city and you enjoy being in a city, and of course all of our offices are in cities, um, if you're culturally curious, which is what we always call our, our audiences, if you are that person, you'll probably do well at Today Ticks. But I would say more importantly, you have to be tenacious and curious and excited about innovation in this industry. Um, we love theater. We love what we do. We're staying true to it. And so if you join Today Ticks hoping and praying that we're going to become the Amazon of tickets and do all things, that's not who we are. Right. We're going to become the biggest ticketing company in arts and entertainment. And that's what we love to do. And we're going to talk more about innovation in this industry with a few other questions. We'll be back with more from Today Ticks' Brian Fenty after this. So as well as giving you the opportunity to delve into the minds of the people who run the Great White Way, another super exciting thing about putting it together is that it's part of the Broadway Podcast Network, a brand new place to find any and all things theatre-related in podcast form. As well as us, there's a whole bunch of other shows on the platform, including Broadwasted, Josh Swallow's Broadway with Josh Lehman, Built for the Stage, The Ensemblist, and many, many more. To find out more about BPN, visit broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and take a look at all the other shows we've got on offer. That's broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. 
We're back on Putting It Together with Brian Fenty, CEO and co-founder of TodayTix. So Brian, TodayTix announced back in May that you had just raised a new round of funding to the tune of $73 million. Firstly, Phew. congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and secondly, what's that, uh, what's that being spent on? Oh, so many things, Ollie. Sure. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's very funny because when we first started raising money six years ago, of course, you'd walk in the room and say, Oh, I'm doing a theater ticket app and the door would slam as fast as any door you've ever <laughs> seen slam. But we knew that it, I mean, it's sort of a staggering stat, but theater ticket sales in the United States for theater are 2x that of film sales, which sort of blows people away. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to find a really amazing partner in, in Great Hill. Uh, these are the, these are the private equity investors behind The Real Real and Wayfair and Bombas Socks. I mean, they're really interesting consumer investors. And a lot of people said, well, geez, when you raise that money, do they want you to go into sports? Do they want you to go uh, into secondary market ticketing, which is all a buzz right now with StubHub for sale and Viagogo and other things? And I said, no, they, they love what we do. They want us to keep doing what we do. They just want us to do it bigger, better, at a faster pace. And so how we're thinking a lot about uh, the spend and the growth uh, for TodayTix is number one, geographies. Number two, quality of product. And number three, quality of talent. So on geographies, that's an easy one to discuss. You know, we're in, as you said, 16 cities now, uh, three continents. Um, we want to see a lot more depth in the U.S. specifically. The idea being that if you live in Minnesota and you have today ticks, you should not only be able to use this when you come to New York or when you go to LA, but also in your backyard. There are theaters in every community. I'm the product of small community theater. Um, I, I love theater everywhere it exists. And so we want to make sure that we're bringing those stories to life in all communities. So that's, that's on geography. Um, in terms of product, um, we want to be at the forefront of ticketing technology. Um, in theater and outside of theater. So whether that's um, being the first ticketer to introduce Apple Pay, whether that's the first ticketer to introduce um, split payments or shared payments, those are the types of innovations that we want to bring to bear. We have meetings every day with blockchain companies and encryption companies and RFID bands of how to do cashless purchases. So we're really trying to stay at the forefront and that takes time and money. And then the final piece is great people. We live in a world where we compete with the Googles and the Facebooks and the Netflixes of the world. And those companies have unfathomable amounts of money. And also we work in an industry that doesn't always pay well. And we want to sit at the, we want to certainly sit at the head of the industry in terms of what we pay great talent. And we're working hard at that, by the way. It's not something we've always been good at. Um, in the last year, one of the things that's been very important to me is uh, gender pay equality. So um, now for every dollar a man makes at Today Ticks, a woman makes a dollar oh five, um, which seems like a really subtle nuance. But when we started and I had the report pulled, it was for every dollar a man makes, a one makes 86 cents. Right. And that just was not acceptable to me. Um, and so we've worked very hard at that over the last year and will continue to do so. So paying talent, paying for great product and launching in new markets. Fundraising like that is something that's unique to the world of startups, really, um, especially with Broadway being such an old business where the major players, as you say, haven't really changed for a long time. What's the biggest challenge you think for a startup entering the theater space specifically? Hold on tight and it'll be okay. No, so um, here, here's what I would say. The good news is um, six years later, there's a lot more appetite for innovation. 
I think hopefully in some small way because we've had success. Um, I think, you know, today Tix has now sold more than $350 million worth of tickets. Hopefully that gives some entrepreneurs the, the chutzpah and the desire to, to move forward. But I also think, look, you know, the Schubert organization just launched a technology accelerator, mm-hmm. which is really exciting to see an old multi-generational family business that owns theaters embracing technology and innovating. I'm, applauding them from the sidelines. I think that's fantastic. Um, and also start in different markets. We started on Broadway, which was really hard. And I remember last year I did an offsite for our senior leadership team. Um, and it, I did an exercise called build your best competitor. And I asked everyone on the leadership team to write down on paper, the five things that they would do differently if they were going to build a today ticks crushing business and a, the five things that they would do the same. And on many people's lists, it was, launch in LA, launch in London, launch anywhere but New York. Right. Um, so while while I agree with that, what I could say is though having to live through the the battles of starting in New York gave us good good scars and, and good thick skin. But the thing ultimately you might have done differently is start regionally and work your way in. Yeah, I think right. so. I think build the use case early, get very vocal, powerful partners who love what you do and let them be your champions. Uh, we, we sort of were the disruptors and it's, it gives you heartburn. It's, it's never easy to be a disruptor and it's a very lonely place to be. I'll tell you. I mean, I always hear that entrepreneurship is one of the, the loneliest professions, which I think is surprising to people who, who aren't in that world. Right. Um, but it is, it is lonely because you're, you wake up every morning and if you don't tell yourself to go to work, you don't have to go to work and the business, <laughs> and, right. and the business is not built. Um, and so, uh, we really, we really looked ourselves in the mirror and picked ourselves up every day. And so I just encourage people to be ambitious, to also find a truly good idea. Um, I meet with lots of entrepreneurs who say, Oh, I have a great idea. Mobile tickets. Well, what does that mean? Everyone's doing mobile tickets right. now. Um, so really figure out what your niche is, what you can bring to the table and promote those outsized value levers. And talking about the industry more broadly for a second. So Todaytix obviously aims to solve a few issues as we've discussed, things like mobile conversion, younger demographic, that kind of thing. What else is hot on Brian Fenty's list? of things that need updating in the business as a whole. Maybe not even ticketing. So the most controversial one, which is not in ticketing, is how can we leverage the data that we're collecting to actually change the shows that are being produced? And I mean both old shows that we're bringing into the fray, but also as producers are shepherding and working with young creators, writers, artists, dramatists. Um, how are we giving them data to say, this is what audiences like to spend their money on? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's controversial because nobody likes to inform creativity from a commercial perspective. And yet, if shows are not commercial, the industry has a very ominous future. Right. Um, and, and when you look at the fact that Broadway has had its best year, but both playing weeks and average yield per playing week are down, what it says is that there are 
more members of the Million Dollar Club. There are more shows that are kings or queens, but there are less shows that are broadly successful. Right. Um, and so Todaytix really wants to unleash its data to, uh, make creating theater easier and better. But it's hard to do. And we're, by the way, it's an open invitation to any of your listeners that if people have ideas of how they can leverage that, we're down to play in that sandbox. Right. I guess the tricky thing is that data is, I mean, obviously that it's really only the people that sell tickets that have any of that data. Um, and yeah. everyone is, is, I guess, would you say rightly protective of it or? Look, there's a, we have 1500 theaters that we work with in the U.S. And I can tell you that probably 1300 of them work with us because we share our data openly. Right. Um, and, and look, having worked at Today Ticks, you know, not every venue takes advantage of that. Most don't, but I think just having the ability to look through the ticketing company at your user. Mm-hmm is a very liberating and should be a very liberating um, ecosystem. And it shouldn't just be to sell more tickets. I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people say, oh, if we get the data, we can then sell another show to that user. That's not the point. The point is to actually learn who are the users and what moves them and and why do we why do we attract them to theater now and what can we do to attract them in more ways? One final question. Let's pretend for a second everything had been just fine with Broadway ticketing. Uh, you and Merritt had sat down and, th- and said to yourselves, you know what really needs fixing? Nothing really. Let's go home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think you'd be doing instead? Would it be on Broadway? Do you think you'd still be acting at this point? Huh. Wow. No one has asked me that question. Here's what I think I'd say. I think theater would still be a part of my life insofar as I would be culturally curious. I'd be filling my nights with theater. And my guess is after 10 years of doing that, I probably would have found another idea in the theater space. So I, I love helping this industry. I love the people in it. But that said, my honest answer is I'd probably be in hospitality. I love restaurants. I love wine. I love all of the things that come with entertaining people. So it would be in something that touches people in in ways that have romance and impact and connects and brings out a new experience for people. So who knows? I'm happily here. We're going to be here for a long time to come. Brian Fenty of Today Ticks. And you can find out more about the work of Brian and his team. And of course, see what's playing where you are and get your hands on tickets at todayticks.com or by downloading Today Ticks on your iOS or Android device. Putting It Together is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. Our music is by Eulis Pecan. And our work and editing is by me, Ollie Southgate. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ollie Southie. That's with an I-E, not a Y. Next time, we're talking to Carl Pasberg of Alchemy Production Group about the unexpected opportunity that took him from performer to business owner and the role of the general manager in an ever-changing Broadway landscape. That episode hits your feeds on the first Friday of next month. That's October 4th. But until then, goodbye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 